Hello, everyone, and welcome to the First Love Ministries podcast. We're in a series now called Preparing for Pentecost. I hope you've enjoyed the first two podcasts about that. If you're joining in, just real quickly, the first podcast was about the fact that when the Spirit came as gift, He brought change into our lives. And the primary change we tried to focus on in that first one was that He changed our sense of emptiness, our loneliness into fullness, that He changed our sense of feeling guilt or shame or fear from sin in our lives to the gift of forgiveness, of being cleansed, of being washed, of being set free. And lastly, we were reminded how the Lord said, I am the God of hope, and I will fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in me until you overflow with hope through the power of my Spirit, and that He poured His love into our hearts, and it made me just want to celebrate together that in addition to the sense and the feeling of forgiveness and cleansing and washing, that in our hearts, He also overcame our sense of despair or hopelessness with hope, our sense of insecurity or anxiety with peace, our sense of sadness or despair with joy, and especially overcoming maybe feelings of pain or anger or of being unwanted or unloved by pouring in His love into our hearts, that He changes our condition. Yeah, He changes our condition. The gift of the Holy Spirit changed the condition of our soul, changed the condition of our heart by His presence and His peace, hope, and love coming into our lives. Well, the second one, the change that God brought about for us was the gift of intimacy, the gift of changing our relationship with Him, that now we are reconciled to Him and that now He comes into our hearts and makes home with us. And that likewise, that where Paul referred to our bodies corporately and personally, individually as being temples, that the Holy Spirit now, God's very presence residing in us, also turns us into that tent of meeting where Moses would meet with the Lord and speak face to face with him as with a friend. And just remembering together that that's what he's done for us, that the second great change that he brought about in our lives is that if the first one was about changing condition, the second talk was about changing relationship, that we are now in relationship with him. We are reconciled to him And then he comes within us and speaks to us face to face as with a friend. And then we finally focused on the fact that his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we have become his children, where we say, Abba, Father, Daddy. And finally to say, John 17, 23, where Jesus said, the Father loves you even as he loves me. Or the Father would say it to us, I love you even as I love Jesus. And it's His Spirit that bears witness with our spirit that that is really, really true. That's how deep we are loved and the kind of intimate relationship that He would have with us. Well, here now in part three, the change, as we're talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit and primarily preparing for Pentecost is that change happened, invasion day. When he invades our lives, what kind of change did he bring to us? Or his invasion brought about change in our lives? Well, the third change in that sense is that his coming into our lives brought change in how we live our lives. 
that He comes to empower us to live the way God designed us to live. You see, again, in Genesis 1 and 2, when God created us, He designed us, or as we, if you're familiar with our ministry at all, especially the first love to love material, is that we believe that God designed us to be loved and to love as loved. And that as we remain in that love, we experience His joy and people see and experience Him, so His glory is made evident to people. This is what we were designed for, but from Genesis 3 on, especially if you're listening as a believer for any length of time, right? we, we know that because of Adam and Eve's sin, something radically changed inside of us for the negative, where now we have this, what Paul refers to as the flesh or the sinful nature, and that its primary drive is self-centeredness. It's selfishness. Paul described it this way in Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. He says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. You followed the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. But he says, Also, we followed the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts, seeking to gratify, he says, the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. That prior to our life in Jesus, our obsession was with ourselves, and oftentimes making choices for ourselves regardless of its impact on God or others, and sometimes even on ourselves. I think it was Andy Stanley said one time that we don't even have our own best interests at heart. There's only one that has our best interests at heart. And the cravings of our flesh are not thinking about what are our best interests. It just wants what it wants. And we just tend to yield to it. And so we had developed this lifestyle, this this pattern of thinking and behaving where we simply respond to the cravings of our flesh, its desires, its thoughts. We are influenced and conform to the pattern of this age, as Paul said, following the world and, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Well, think about where did that get us? <laughs> it got us in a mess and it filled our life with pain and anger. Another place, Titus 3.3, Paul says, we at one time too were foolish and deceived and disobedient, enslaved to all kinds of passions and pleasures, filled with malice and envy, hating and being hated. That's what it was like outside a relationship with God, outside of knowing His love and forgiveness, is that this was kind of the driving force of human beings. And perhaps you remember that season in your life. I do. Well, again, the coming of the Holy Spirit was to change how we live, that we would live in His ways, that we would live loving and being loved, being loved and loving so that we would remain in His love, experience His joy, display and reveal His glory. Life would be filled with peace. It would be amazing. This is what He was offering to us and recognizing that we would need to be changed from the inside out, that this old nature, this sinful nature, this flesh thing would need to be changed, would need to be transformed. You see, because even Paul, when he was talking about his pre-experience of Jesus and the Spirit— which is really what Romans chapter 7 is. He's talking about the struggle that even though he knew what the right thing was to do, he wouldn't do it. Right In Romans 7, 18, he said, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. 
Now, mind you, again, you know that unbelievers at times even do good things. Probably the main difference there is simply that if they do the good, they're still most likely doing the good for their own benefit, for what they're going to gain, what reward they're going to get from it, as opposed to genuinely, selflessly doing good for the benefit of the other only. But in this case, Paul's saying that even once he knew what the good was, still having that sinful nature that still had its cravings and its thoughts and its desires, he would find himself unable to do the good that he knew that he should do. And of course, that's the whole history of Israel in the Old Testament, is that they were given the law, they were given the commands at Mount Sinai, they were given the way to live in a way that would be life and joy and peace, and yet... The whole history of Israel is that even though they had the law, they knew what the right thing was to do, they couldn't do it. They didn't do it. And they were often getting themselves in a mess. Well, in the first session, I mentioned that God had given promise about sending His Spirit. And I want to say that one again, Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27, where He says, I will give you a new heart. Which, remember, in the Old Testament context, the heart was the mind, the will, decisions, emotions, all that internal stuff. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And now listen to this sentence. And I will put my spirit in you and move you, move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. It was a promise for change, not just the fact that His Spirit would come and be in us, but that His presence in us would move us, move us to follow His decrees and be careful to keep His laws, that there would be some kind of new heart, a new mind, a new will that the Holy Spirit would bring about in us, transform us from the inside out. Even in Jeremiah 31, God had promised that there would be a new covenant. And in the new covenant, he says, at that time, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. Well, how is he going to do that? By the coming and the gift of the Holy Spirit, bringing about a change in our very nature, in our minds in our lives that would empower us to walk in love, to walk out the ways that would prevent and not cause harm, and ways that would bring love. You see, in Romans 8.3, Paul said, Because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free, set you free from the law of sin and death. See, Romans 8 is about Paul's experience after experiencing Christ in the Spirit, that Romans 7 was about his pre-Spirit and pre-Jesus days. It's not to say that we still have this residue of the sinful nature, the old nature in us, and especially all of that that's been put into our minds that has shaped us and the work it takes to transform our mind But at the very core of our being, the Holy Spirit come and He has come into us where again Paul says, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free, set you free from the law of sin and death. That the critical thing that Paul's trying to say in Romans 8 is that we are empowered to live differently. We are no longer slaves 
to that sinful nature. It's not that the nature isn't there and it's going to tempt you and try to drive you in a certain way. But friends, the critical thing is we don't have to, as slaves, simply yield to it. We have an alternative. We have the very presence and power of God, the Holy Spirit in us, who has set us free from that and will now empower us to live differently. Romans 7, 6, Paul says, But now, by dying to what once bound us, which was the law, he says, We have been released from the law, released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Did you hear that? We have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. It's not about trying to do the right thing per se. It's about yielding to, submitting to, paying attention to the Holy Spirit who has come into our lives. So that Paul in in Galatians chapter 5 explicitly talks about it this way. Galatians 5.25, he says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16, 18, and 22, I put them together so that Paul says, So I say, walk, walk by the Spirit. He just said, keep in step with the Spirit. He says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And then Galatians 22, 23 that we're familiar with, the fruit of the Spirit, the result, the benefit, the byproduct of the Spirit in us is love and joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he says, against such things, there is no law. There is, there is not a law that says, don't be loving, don't have peace, don't be forbearing, don't be kind, don't be good. No, you're going to do the things that fulfill the law and you're never going to hear God say, stop that. That's wrong. You're going to bear God-like, Christ-like, spirit-like fruit where you're going to do the things of the law. It's amazing. The critical thing is yielding to, paying attention to, keeping in step with, noticing. It's the new way of the spirit, friends. The new way of the spirit. Well, then Romans 8, 5, and 6, he says, But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Well, how is the mind governed by the Spirit? Well, that's what I want to develop in the next talk. But essentially, he's saying you have your mind set on set on what the Spirit desires. You know, for so long in my life, I used to be struggling with, you know, a temptation or struggling in a certain direction. And then you'd obsess with that. Oh, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't think that way. No, I shouldn't do that. God help me not to do that. Suddenly you realize all your energy is being spent on the very thing you don't want to do. And so you're focusing on it. It wasn't until years into my walk with him and through this passage, and as I memorized it and meditated on it, when he said, Mark, the simple thing is don't put all your focus and energy on the thing you're struggling with. Turn your mind and heart to me. Ask me. Ask me what I desire. Ask me what I would like for you to do. Ask me, Holy Spirit, where do you want me to go now? What would you have me say or do? And go in a different direction. It so empowered me. 
And then I was just so blessed. Finally, the last verse I want to leave for you today, 2 Timothy 1.7, where Paul says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Hear it now from the Lord. The spirit I gave you does not make you timid, but he gives you power, love, and self-discipline. Friends, this is the gift. I mean, talk about preparing for Pentecost, celebrating Pentecost. Oh my gosh. He has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit that we can live the way that he's designed us to live, that causes us to remain in his love, to experience his joy, to experience displaying his glory, to experience peace. He's made that possible by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, the challenge is, is we've been trained all our lives to so instantly respond to the cravings of our flesh and its thoughts and desires that it's a huge shift to begin to learn, to make as your new knee-jerk reaction. Holy Spirit, what would you have? Holy Spirit, how are you leading? Holy Spirit, what are you desiring? Holy Spirit, I want to surrender to what you are producing in my heart and my life and the thoughts that would come and the actions that would come. Learning to pay attention to the Holy Spirit, being led, keeping in step with, walking with, noticing what His desires are. Friends, that's something we have to work and grow at, something we have to develop, something we have to practice. I'm still growing at it. But the bottom line is, is we have the Spirit of God in us that can empower us to walk the way we were intended to walk that would fill our lives with joy and peace. It's the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Oh, be encouraged today and that He will help you. He will help me get better and better as we practice and develop that we will yield to, surrender to, and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and watch incredible living happen in our lives. I love you. God bless you. Have a great day.